Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Thursday, September 1st, 2022. Coming up this hour. The selling continues in September as global stocks hit a six-week low. Still one prominent Wall Street strategist says more pain is ahead for equities. Bonds also taking a tumble. Two-year Treasury yield hits the highest level in 15 years. And 3M becomes the latest company to cut jobs. New York City's new gun laws begin today, plus former President Trump's lawyers and the DOJ go to court Classified documents in Mar-a-Lago. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stanshaw in sports. Serena Williams put on a show and advanced the third round of the U.S. Open. The Mets beat the Dodgers. The Yankees lost to the Angels. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Sirius XM 119, and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm Amy Morris. And I'm Karen Moscow. And U.S. stock index futures are lower this morning. We are coming up to 501 on Wall Street. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures are down 31 points. Dow futures down 188. And NASDAQ futures down 139. 10-year Treasury down 132nd. The yield 3.19%. And the yield on the two-year, 3.49%. Amy. Karen, stocks are beginning September with the way they ended August, with losses. In fact, global equities are trading at a six-week low this morning. Bonds are also selling off. Two-year Treasury yields touched 3.5% for the first time in 15 years. Brian Levitt is global market strategist at Invesco. The economy has slowed pretty considerably, and yet inflationary pressures still remain elevated. So the Federal Reserve is tightening into a slowdown. We had a nice rally in July into the beginning of August, but the markets are recognizing that tighter policy is still ahead of us, and we still don't have certainty on where the terminal rate is going to be for the Fed, and that creates volatility and some pressure on markets. Invesco Global Strategist Brian Levitt says he doesn't think the Fed will keep rates elevated as long as most fear. Well, Amy, one prominent Wall Street bear says there is more pain ahead for equity investors. Morgan Stanley Chief U.S. Equity Strategist Mike Wilson says earnings risks are still not priced in. The earnings risk is now upon us, right? We're cutting numbers, and we think the numbers are going to come down even further over the next two quarters. So bottom line for us is the PE multiple is wrong again, not because the Fed is going to be hawkish, but because the equity market is being too optimistic about the earnings outlook. And Morgan Stanley's Mike Wilson says he sees major indexes, quote, down for at least the next quarter or two. And the sell-off on Wall Street has is spreading overseas. Stocks in Asia fell to a six-week low overnight. Let's get the recap from Bloomberg's Juliet Sally in Singapore. Good morning, Juliet. 
Good morning, Amy and Karen. China moved to lockdown Chengdu, a city of 21 million residents, from Thursday night to tackle COVID, and that weighed on market sentiment. Tech firms also declined following Loretta Mester's hawkish commentary. A stronger dollar saw the yen fall to a 1998 low, while the offshore Chinese currency weakened further, despite the PBOC fixing the yuan reference rate stronger for a seventh session. In Singapore, Juliet Sali, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Juliet, thank you. Our stocks are also under pressure in Europe this morning. We go live to London and get the latest with Bloomberg's Ewan Potts. Good morning, Ewan. Good morning, Karen and Amy. In the red would be the best way to describe the GMM screen on the Bloomberg today with every major European stock market underwater. This morning's losses follow a month which saw the benchmark stock 600 shed 5.3% on worries about soaring inflation, a looming energy crisis and tightening central banks. All those factors and more also in play in the UK. A brutal August for markets here in London with stocks down and sterling losing almost 5%, the most since the Brexit vote six years ago. UK government bond yields, meanwhile, posted their biggest monthly jump on records. Live in London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ewan, thank you. The weakness in the markets comes after Jay Powell's hawkish speech at Jackson Hole almost a week ago. And since then, we have seen several officials, including Dallas Fed President Lori Logan, hammer home the message on fighting inflation. Hearing um, from central bankers and academics um, around the world, um, the clear priority was uh, bringing inflation down. And that really lines up with my own priority, um, being uh, president of the Dallas Fed. And as a policymaker, you know, our number one priority um, has to be to restore uh, price stability. Those were Dallas Fed President Lori Logan's first public remarks since taking office last week. She previously worked at the New York Fed for more than two decades. Well, I mean, the Fed's aggressive battle against inflation has sparked fears of recession and higher unemployment. Well, this morning, we get the second of this week's reports on the labor market, initial jobless claims, and we get a preview from Bloomberg's Michael McKee. Jobless claims are seen as a canary in an economic coal mine. They should start to rise somewhat significantly if the unemployment rate is going up and if a recession is near. So far, they haven't. After a brief and small summer rise, claims have stabilized. Analysts remain on guard, however, as the Fed's interest rate moves begin to slow the economy. What may be more important now is following continuing claims, those who continue to get jobless benefits after their initial week. So far, those have remained relatively flat, suggesting people who do lose their jobs are able to get new ones rather quickly. Michael McKee, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, thank you, Michael. Another note on the labor market this morning. More job cuts. 3M is planning to eliminate positions. We get that story from Bloomberg's Doug Krisner. It's in reaction to a challenging macroeconomic environment. 3M says it's taking decisive actions to position the company for continued growth. The scope of the cuts could not be immediately determined. 3M employed about 95,000 people at the end of 2021. The head of 3M's safety and industrial division disclosed the plans in a message to employees of the unit. He said the business can't avoid this tough necessity. In New York, I'm Doug Krisner, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Doug, thanks. And in politics today, President Biden jumping into the midterm election campaign with a primetime address to the nation tonight. We get a preview from Bloomberg Daybreak anchor Nathan Hanker. The White House has billed this as a speech on the continued battle for the soul of our nation. Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre. Joe Biden believes, as president, it is important for the president of the United States to have the strongest voice uh, when we talk about fighting for our democracy. And the president's been ramping up that fight in recent weeks, referring to extreme MAGA Republicans and what he calls a semi-fascist GOP agenda. He'll deliver this speech tonight from Independence National Historical Park in Philadelphia, the home of the Liberty Bell and the signing of the Declaration 
Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. In Washington, I'm Nathan Hager, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Nathan, thank you. Futures lower this morning. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. Thank you, Karen. 507 on Wall Street. Let's bring in Michael Barr with more on what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Amy. New gun laws take effect in New York this week following the June Supreme Court decision striking down a 100-year-old state law restricting who can carry a weapon. At a news conference, Governor Kathy Hochul says, among other things, residents must be 21 to purchase a semi-automatic weapon. These will strengthen the background checks and the gun safety training requirements, prohibit concealed carry in secure, sensitive locations, and require permit renewals every three years instead of five years. The gun location restrictions in New York City take effect today and will include Times Square. Mayor Eric Adams. Licensed gun carriers and others may not enter with a gun unless otherwise specifically authorized by law. Meanwhile, New York defeated an attempt by gun rights proponents to stop it from enforcing new restrictions on who and where people can carry concealed weapons. A U.S. District Judge in Syracuse rejected the request by Gun Owners of America and others. A hearing today in a Florida federal court takes place over classified material found at the home of former President Trump. Trump's lawyers will argue for a special master in what was seized from his Mar-a-Lago home. The Justice Department has said the materials seized do not belong to Trump, but to the government. Democrat Mary Peltola beat former Republican Alaska Governor Sarah Palin for the state's lone house seat in a special election. Peltola will fill the seat to replace the late Representative Don Young at least until the end of the year. A team of U.N. inspectors is expected to reach Ukraine's nuclear power plant, hoping to secure the facility, which is in Russian-held territory. International Atomic Energy Agency Chief Rafael Grossi says they're seeking to establish a permanent presence at the plant to prevent a potential nuclear disaster. Weighing the pros and cons and having come so far, we are not stopping. We are moving now. The IAEA's Rafael Grossi. The cost of the New York City Area Gateway Rail Tunnel Project climbed to $16.1 billion, and the expected start of construction was pushed to 2024. The plan is to seek more federal aid to cover the rising costs. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries, I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Amy. All right, thank you, Michael. It's 5.09 on Wall Street. Time now for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here's John Stashauer. Thanks, Amy. What a performance by Serena Williams. She put off her retirement again. She played like it was 1999, the year she first won the U.S. Open. Serena turns 41 later this month. Mother of a five-year-old. She had struggled to win matches all summer, and yet now with the crowd at Ash Stadium going wild with every point she wins, she's into the third round. She beat Annette Contavit, who's the Open's second seed. 7-6-2-6. Six, two. I think you can only have this experience, you know, once in a lifetime for sure. Um, I'm playing pretty good. I feel like, like I said on the court, I've been practicing really well, but it hasn't been coming together in, in matches. Um, but, you know, now it's kind of coming together, I guess. I mean, I had to bring it together today, so 
It worked out. Serena will be back at Ash tomorrow. She'll actually be there tonight playing doubles with her sister Venus. While she was doing her thing, Jacob DeGrom was doing his just across the boardwalk at City Field. DeGrom went seven innings, allowed only a Mookie Betts home run. Starling Marte, an early two-run shot. Mets beat the Dodgers 2-1. to one. Brandon Nimmo saved the day with a seventh-inning catch over the wall, taking a home run from the Dodgers. Justin Turner and Edwin Diaz then got the actual save. All season, they have played his theme song when he enters. Last night, it was a live performance by... Tim, he trumpeted. In Anaheim, Yankees lost to the Angels 3-2 to when Shohei Otani hit a three-run homer in the sixth inning off Garrett Cole. 77-year-old White Sox manager Tony La Russa taking time off for a medical issue. John Stashower, Bloomberg Sports. Amy? All right. Thank you, John. And now let's check the markets. The S&P futures down 29 points. Dow futures down 178. NASDAQ futures down 135 points. The 10-year Treasury down 2.30 seconds. The yield at 3.2%. Much more still to come on Bloomberg Daybreak on this Thursday morning. Stay with us. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather. We've got sunny and less humid conditions today. We're going up to 85 degrees, up to 80 degrees tomorrow. And then on Saturday, plenty of sunshine for your weekend, going up to 85 degrees. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Stocks and bonds extending their sell-off as a hawkish drumbeat from central banks and a lockdown in China further freight investor nerves. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures are down 32 points. Dow futures down 197. And NASDAQ futures down 147. That's down 1.2 percent. The DAX in Germany is down 1.5 percent. The 10-year Treasury down 230 seconds. Yield 3.2 percent. Yield on the two-year, 3.48 percent. NYMEX crude oil is down 1.7 percent. Down $1.49 at $88.06 a barrel. COMEX gold is down half percent or $8.90. It's seventeen seventeen thirty an ounce. The euro, 1.00 against the dollar. British pound 1.1599 and the yen 139.24. And looking at Bitcoin, it's lower, down 1.7% at $19,850. Today we are watching for the weekly report on initial jobless claims. It's at 8.30 Wall Street time at 10. It's ISM manufacturing and construction spending. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. A Florida federal court judge today will decide whether a special master will carry out a third-party review of those classified materials seized from former President Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate. The Department of Justice has called the special master request unnecessary. President Biden will give a prime-time address to the nation tonight. The White House says it will focus on what he calls the soul of the nation, including the threats of political violence. Not retired yet, Serena Williams continues her magical run at the U.S. Open, winning round two. In baseball, the Yankees lost to the Angels 3-2. The Mets beat the Dodgers 2-1. The Red Sox and Orioles won. The Nationals beat the A's 5-1. The Giants lost. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg Gaming.
All right. Thank you, Michael. It is 519 on Wall Street. We're live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. President Biden making that big primetime speech to the nation tonight. We want to get a preview of that and a few other things. Bloomberg government reporter Jack Fitzpatrick joins us now. Jack, it's a pleasure. Thanks for taking the time with us this morning. We know the president will be in Philadelphia delivering that speech on what he is calling a battle for the soul of the nation. What will you be listening for? Well, you know, we got a preview of this because he's spending a lot of time in Pennsylvania. He just had another speech that had a very similar focus uh, in Pennsylvania a couple of days ago on Tuesday. I, I think the key takeaway here is that clearly the president is trying to get aggressive on the campaign trail and seemingly maybe shift the focus away from inflation, economic concerns, the possibility of a recession, uh, and drive home the message that uh, that Republicans were, in his view, uh, irresponsible on January 6th, that the uh, search of Mar-a-Lago and uh, the, the allegations that the former President Donald Trump kept top-secret documents uh, was also irresponsible, and, and that the Republican Party has gone awry. That's essentially the message Biden is taking out on the, the campaign trail. Uh, I, I don't know how much that digs in to the supposed advantage that Republicans have uh, in this kind of midterm environment, especially where the economy is a concern. Uh, but, I, it, you know, it's I really I think the key is it's interesting to see the president get so focused in one particular state in Pennsylvania, which has a swing state uh, Senate race and, and try to redirect the message in that sense. Yeah, this is his third trip to Pennsylvania in just the past week. Is that significant? Well, it highlights the significance of Pennsylvania. They are trying to win the Senate race, trying to win the gubernatorial race uh, coming up. Uh, He just uh, showed up to Wilkes-Barre to also campaign for a a swing seat in the House. Uh, Matt Cartwright, uh, where he talked, the president talked quite a bit about uh, sort of tying in the support for police and police funding, local police funding, with the idea that uh, to support law enforcement, you you could not have uh, had any doubts about the former president's role on January 6th, kind of tying uh, these these democracy-related arguments together into one package. And for one reason or another, obviously Pennsylvania is a very uh, competitive state in a few races, uh, but for one reason or another, Pennsylvania is the major focus right now for the president. Uh, let's shift briefly, if we could, to Alaska. Democrats were able to flip Alaska's House seat. Mary Peltola defeating Sarah Palin in the special election, 51 to 49 percent. So, yeah, a close race. But is there a message there for the GOP? I would uh, I would mitigate any message that you think is clearly there for the Republicans. Uh, this is a, a really interesting race, uh, but maybe a confusing one. This is ranked choice voting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mary Peltola did win the first ballot, the you know the people's first choice. She got about forty percent of the vote. So it then came down to uh, the second choice. Sarah Palin obviously is somebody with a significant following. Uh, but you probably wouldn't be surprised to learn she's not exactly a lot of people's second choice, sort of a, a, a lover or hater kind of political figure, and only about 
half of the people who chose the other Republican, Nick Begich, uh, for their first choice, then chose Palin for their second choice. The rest either chose Mary Poltola, the Democrat, or didn't choose anyone at all. So this tells us quite a bit about uh, how ranked choice voting works, the possibilities that it can create for maybe a more moderate minority party, a, a Democrat running in Alaska in this case. Um, it, it, and she did run on abortion access to a significant degree. The Roe v. Wade decision to strike down Roe v. Wade was a significant factor in this. Uh, I don't know that that means this is going to be a great result for Democrats in all the other races, but it really is an interesting case study in ranked choice voting. All right. Thank you so much. Bloomberg government reporter Jack Fitzpatrick. Always a pleasure. We want to talk to you later again this morning, getting more information about tonight's speech from President Biden on what he is calling a battle for the soul of the nation, a theme that he has repeated pretty much uh, repeatedly since Charlottesville in 2017. That's the first time we've heard him use that reference. So we'll be talking with Jack a little bit later in the program. Let's check the markets now. S&P futures down 35. Dow futures down 210. NASDAQ futures down 165 points. 10-year Treasury down 132nd. The yield at 3.2%. Still ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. We'll be checking the markets and bringing you the latest in business, economics, and finance. Stay with us. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, sunny, less humid today, a break from that humidity. We're going up to 85 today, down to 80, or down to 80 tomorrow. And then on Saturday, plenty of sunshine going up to 85. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Amy Morris. And I'm Karen Moscow. We're just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. While stocks are beginning September, the way they ended August, with losses. Morgan Stanley Chief U.S. Equity Strategist Mike Wilson tells us there's likely more pain ahead. The index usually is the last thing to fall. So meaning June probably was the low for the average stock. But the index, we think, still has to take out those June lows. We've used 3,400 for kind of the quote-unquote growth recession or soft landing issue, if I want to call it. Or a proper recession would be something closer to 3,000. The S&P 500 is currently more than 900 points above that 3,000 mark. Morgan Stanley's Mike Wilson says the market is not pricing in earnings risks. And global stocks are trading at a six-week low as stocks in Europe and Asia post sharp declines. There are also fresh COVID concerns in China. The government is locking down the city of Chengdu. Bloomberg's Colin Murphy in Beijing says the city of 21 million people will experience the biggest lockdown since Shanghai earlier this year. Hopefully there will have been some lessons learned from Shanghai because that was the complete chaotic handling of the crisis. And this is really an emerging hub in the western part of the country and had been pretty much immune until recently from COVID. So this is quite a disturbing development. Bloomberg's Colin Murphy says the Chengdu lockdown comes after reporting 157 new COVID cases yesterday. 
Meantime, this morning, Amy, U.S. shipmaker stocks are sliding. That's after NVIDIA warned new rules governing the export of artificial intelligence chips to China could cost millions in revenue. And right now, NVIDIA is down 5.5% in early trading. Markets will also price in fresh economic data today. Weekly jobless claims come in at 8.30 a.m. Wall Street time, followed by ISM manufacturing data at 10 a.m. And it all comes before tomorrow morning's jobs report. To politics now, Amy, President Biden is jumping into the midterm election campaign with a primetime address to the nation tonight. Bloomberg political contributor Jeannie Sheehan-Zeno says the speech comes at a critical time. This is a big test for him. This is going to be a peek into the closing argument that the Democrats are going to be making as they move into this really, really tough election year in which they're likely going to lose the House and may, in fact, lose the Senate. But they're giving it a really good try, and he's going to be leading that charge. Political contributor Jeannie Sheehan-Zeno made the comments on Bloomberg Sound On. Catch the program weeknights at 5 p.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio. And this is Bloomberg. Thank you, Karen. It's 5.33 on Wall Street. Let's bring in Michael Barr with more on what else is going on in New York and around the world. Thank you very much, Amy. New gun laws take effect in New York this week following the June Supreme Court decision striking down a 100-year-old state law restricting who can carry a weapon. Governor Kathy Oakle says they include gun-free zones. This whole concept that a good guy with a gun will stop the bad guys with a gun, it doesn't hold up. It doesn't hold up. And the data bears this up. New York City Mayor Eric Adams says the location restrictions take effect today. The city is posting signage around Times Square informing people that the area is a gun-free zone. Meanwhile, a U.S. District Judge in Syracuse defeated an attempt by gun rights proponents to stop New York State from enforcing new restrictions on concealed weapons. U.N. inspectors are hoping to gain access to Europe's largest nuclear power plant today after making their way through the war zone in Ukraine. The plant, recently hit by shelling, remains under Russian control. International Atomic Energy Agency Chief Rafael Grossi. We have a very important mission to accomplish. As you know, we are going to start immediately uh, an assessment um, of the security and the safety situation at the plant. The IAEA's Rafael Grossi. Democrat Mary Peltola flipped Alaska's lone House seat in a special election, expanding the Democrats' majority in the narrowly divided chamber. Peltola beat former Republican Governor Sarah Palin for the seat, and it sets up a rematch in November. In the end, Peltola got 51% of the votes to Palin's 49%. The Department of Justice and former President Trump's legal team meet in federal court in Florida today over last month's FBI search and seizure of classified documents. They will be battling over Trump's request for a special master to review all those documents. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg Gaming. All right, thank you, Michael. 5.35 on Wall Street. Time now for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here's John Stashauer. All right, Amy, the greatest of all time. Not done yet. Retirement awaits, but Serena Williams still going at the U.S. Open. A stirring 7-6-2-6-6-2. Second round victory over Net Kontovic. She's the Open second seed, so if Serena can beat her... Could she actually win the Open? I cannot think that far. I, I, I don't. I, I'm here just to, like I said, it's 
I don't, I, I'm having fun and I'm enjoying it. And then, um, honestly, I've had so many tough matches the last, I don't know how long, that I just feel like just being prepared for everyone that I play is just going to be really, really difficult and get through those moments. Tomorrow we'll bring another huge crowd at Ash Stadium. They'll go wild with each winning point as Serena will take on Adja Tom Janovich, ranked 48th. Andy Murray, 35. He's into the men's third round. Lost the first set, dropped only four games after that. Easy win last night for the top seed and defending champ, Daniil Medvedev. There was a playoff atmosphere at City Field. Mets and Dodgers could meet in the NLCS. The Mets won 2-1 to with Jacob DeGrom allowing only a Mookie Betts home run. Justin Turner nearly hit a game-tying homer off DeGrom's seventh inning, but Brandon Nimmo went over the wall to make the catch. Starling Marte provided the offense with a two-run shot early on, and Edwin Diaz got to save his entering theme song, this time performed live by Timmy Trumpet. In Anaheim, Garrett Cole cruising along through five innings, then in the sixth, an infield single, an error, and a three-run homer by the amazing Shohei Otani, his 30th of the year. The Angels topped the Yankees 3-2. to two. John Stashower, Bloomberg Sports. Amy? All right, thank you, John. It is 537 on Wall Street. Time now for the Tri-State Business Report. Here with that, Bloomberg's Ed Corey. Frontier Communications has agreed to expand high-speed Internet access in poor communities and an Internet surcharge and improve marketing and customer service. It's part of a $60 million settlement announced Wednesday by Connecticut's Attorney General. New Jersey state lawmakers this summer approved a Temp Workers' Bill of Rights It calls for staffing firms to register with the state, offer enhanced benefits, and provide pay equal to what full-time workers at their workplaces receive. The legislation now sits on the desk of Governor Phil Murphy. Reports of $5,000 tickets for Bruce Springsteen's upcoming tour have upset a New Jersey congressman. He's demanding that Live Nation Entertainment explain what he calls its exorbitant markups and secretive pricing practices. Representative Bill Pascrell alleges the company's ticket price practices rip off consumers. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. All right, thank you, Ed. It's 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. I'm Steve Potisk, and on KNX in Los Angeles, we're talking about reports of Disney considering an Amazon Prime-style membership program. I'm Courtney Dunahoe on KRLD in Dallas. Sam's Club is raising its membership fee for the first time in nine years. I'm Caroline Hepke on Bloomberg DAB Digital Radio in London. We're reporting on the bond market sell-off as markets price in bigger rate hikes from the ECB. I'm Ed Corey on WWJ in Detroit. I'm reporting the city plans to reopen its adult-use marijuana application process this week. And those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 539 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. Mikhail Gorbachev, who died this week at age 91, defied convention throughout some of the most tumultuous years of the Cold War. When he assumed leadership of the Soviet Union in 1985, he inherited a country that was economically moribund, stubbornly corrupt, and suffering through the final spasms of ideological failure. A lesser leader might have tried to ignore such challenges. 
Gorbachev took many of them head-on. Perhaps his greatest achievement was overseeing the largely bloodless dissolution of his own empire. Millions of people across Central and Eastern Europe gained freedom as a result. Gorbachev's legacy is complex, to be sure. The final leader of the Soviet Union failed at most of his ambitions, but the world was better for them all the same. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash Opinion or OPIN Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. Bloomberg Opinion editorials can be heard every weekday at this time, and Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. S&P futures down 30 points, Dow futures down 175 points, NASDAQ futures down 145 points. The 10-year Treasury, one thirty-second higher, the yield at 3.18%. Still ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, a check on all the news you need to start your day. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, sunny, less humid today, going up to 85 degrees. We'll get up to 80 degrees to start your weekend tomorrow, and then plenty of sunshine on Saturday, going up to 85. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Stocks and bonds extending their sell-off as a hawkish drumbeat from central banks and a lockdown in China further frays investor nerves. Europe's Stock 600 index is sliding 1.5%, led by miners and real estate. And U.S. shipmakers are falling and pre-market trading dragging down NASDAQ futures after a sales warning from NVIDIA. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, NASDAQ futures, they're down 131 points. That's down about 1.1%. S&P futures down 25 and Dow futures. Down 142. Ten-year Treasury up 132nd, yield 3.18 percent. The yield on the two-year 3.47 percent. Nymex crude oil is down 1.6 percent at $1.45 at $88.10 a barrel. Comex gold down half percent or $8.40 at $17.17.70 $17. an ounce. The euro is at 1.0030 against the dollar. British pound 1.1597 and the yen 139.15. And Bitcoin is down 1.4 percent at 19,900. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. President Biden will deliver a national address tonight that will focus on what he calls the soul of the nation. The White House says he might discuss Republicans threatening violence if the Justice Department indicts former President Trump. The federal judge, who signaled a preliminary intent to appoint a special master to oversee the review of the documents the FBI seized from Trump's Florida home, has scheduled a hearing today. Serena Williams has advanced to the third round in the U.S. Open. In baseball, the Yankees lost to the Angels 3-2. The Mets beat the Dodgers 2-1. The Red Sox and Orioles won. The Nationals beat the A's 5-1. The Giants lost. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Amy. All right. Thank you, Michael. It is 549 on Wall Street, and we're live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. We are joined live now by Michael Hewson, Chief Market Analyst with CMC Markets. 
Michael, it is a pleasure. Thank you for taking the time with us this morning. As we just heard uh, from Karen, the markets have gotten hammered since Fed Chair Powell's speech at Jackson Hole. And we just asking about your view first on this first trading day of September. Yeah, it's certainly not got off to a positive start, has it, Amy? I think it's like someone switched a light switch on Friday because what we've seen with respect to equity markets has been quite stark. But I think most of the action has actually been in the bond market, um, particularly here in Europe, where we've seen massive jumps in yields, not only on the long end, but also on the short end. I think there's been a significant change in sentiment when it comes to the reaction function of not only um, the Bank of England, but also the European Central Bank. I think people are now starting to price in the possibility 75 basis points by the ECB next week. But also here in the UK, you know, the markets are starting to price 4.25% bank base rate um, from the Bank of England. Now, we're at 1.75 at the moment. So I think market pricing has got slightly out ahead of its skis because even though inflation is high here, I'm struggling to think of any sort of scenario that would cause the Bank of England to hike rates to that extent. I see. So as we do start this new month, though, you talked about bonds. Where do we go next for the equity markets? Well, I, I think it's quite likely that we're going to retest the lows. Um, certainly, I think that is going, that's my base case for the U.S. Here in Europe, we're already back at July levels for the DAX. The FTSE 100 has seen some significant declines over the course of the past few days and has the potential to go a little bit lower. Um, but certainly I think we're going to retest the June lows for the DAX potentially in the next week or so. Um, as for the, as for US markets, I think again, we're probably going to see a retest of the lows at some point. If, Michael, is this a buying opportunity? Do we see a bottom coming anytime soon? I'm not inclined to buy at this point, no. Um, and I think one of the reasons for that is until we get a clearer idea of what central banks are likely to do over the course of the next few months. I think it's going to be very, very choppy. I think it also depends on what energy prices are going to be doing. I think there's an awful lot of uncertainty around them. One of the good things, I think, over the course of the past few days is we have seen a big drop, not only in crude oil prices, but we've also seen sharp falls in natural gas prices on both sides of the Atlantic. But the problem with that is, is they're still at very, very high levels, even accounting the 29 or 30% drop that we've seen in the past week or so. You mentioned uh, getting a clearer indication from the central mm. bank. What is it you're looking for? What are some of the flags out there? I think for me the flags are, first and foremost, what's going to happen in September? What's the Fed going to do in September? I think tomorrow's payrolls report is a little bit of a distraction because I think ultimately we will get a 75 basis point rate hike from the Fed in September, merely on the basis of the tone of Powell's speech last Friday. I think it's what happens after that. What is what is what is the inflation outlook likely to look like as we head into 2023? They've indicated that they're not going to be cutting rates anytime soon. And I think for me, it's really about how fast inflation starts to fall back and how that influences um, central banks as they head into 2023. I think September and October are very difficult months for equity markets historically, and I think that's likely to continue to be the case. So I think for me it's really about what the outlook look like, looks like at the end of September, because I think before that it's going to be very, very difficult to really make 
a clear decision given the current sets of uncertainty that we've got with respect to not only monetary policy but also fiscal policy going forward. So do you anticipate inflation falling back? Maybe we buckle up for September, October, and then things will start to ease off? I think we will start to ease off. The problem we've got here in the UK is we've got a broken energy market. And it's very, very difficult to really extrapolate what energy prices are going to look like three months out from now. We're already looking at an 80% rise in energy prices here in the UK for October. Now, that's going to be very difficult. In fact, it's going to be impossible for consumers here in the UK to absorb. Next week, we get a new prime minister. The big question landing in that prime minister's inbox will be, how do you mitigate some of the worst effects of that energy price spike? And what happens to energy prices going forward? We still don't know whether or not Putin will allow Gazprom to reopen Nord Stream 1. So what will the effects that have on energy prices heading into winter in Europe? Just an incredible amount of uncertainty. We're going to watch it with you. Michael Hewson, Chief Market Analyst with CMC Markets. Always a pleasure to talk to you, sir. Thank you so much for joining us. Karen. Amy, it is 5.54 on Wall Street. Time now for the Bloomberg Law Report. Let's get to the legal stories we're watching this morning from Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger. Federal Circuit ruled that smartphones made by Apple and other tech companies do not infringe on patents held by INVT. U.S. sales of the devices can continue. The Second Amendment Foundation filed a federal lawsuit over California's ghost gun law that restricts individuals from making their own firearms. A federal appeals court ruled that Burger King affiliates must face antitrust litigation over a pact that barred the fast food company and its franchisees from recruiting one another's employees. Bloomberg Law. Everything you need, all on one legal research platform, including guidance, analysis, and Bloomberg Market Intelligence. Find out more at BloombergLaw.com. All right, Jeff, thank you. Now, another legal uh, story that we're watching this morning. The expansion of the so-called metaverse accessible through immersive headsets is generating concerns about the information that's collected on people who wear the devices and how to protect it. For more, Bloomberg's Lydia Wheeler spoke with Bloomberg The Law Reporter, Andrea Vittorio. There are a lot of potential applications. Um, gaming is definitely one of them. Um, so is learning. There are schools that are experimenting with virtual reality uh, for students. There's also corporate training that can happen in virtual reality. You can um, help firefighters or or doctors learn their craft um, just by practicing in a digital environment. Um, And there are just a lot of different um, use cases that we kind of are seeing explored but um, could broaden out, like uh, theme parks, travel, shopping. There's a lot going on there in the metaverse. So what kinds of data are, are companies collecting from people who use these sorts of extended reality devices? Um, and is any of it sensitive information? The data collected can depend on the device or how you're using it. Um, but there are a lot of potential collection points. Like when you wear a headset, it can gather information about like how your head is moving, what you're looking at. Um, you can sometimes hold uh, devices in your hands that will track your hands are moving or what size they are even. So um, these are all considered um, pretty personal uh, pieces of information because they really vary by person um, and can even sort of amount to identifying a person if you have enough information about them and how they move and what they look like. So uh, 
privacy advocates are, are concerned just about the um, physical characteristics uh, or traits that are being gathered about people as they use these devices. And that's Bloomberg Law Reporter Andrea Vittorio speaking with Bloomberg's Lydia Wheeler. Catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. Attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal at BlawGo. Futures lower this morning and still ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. A check on the business headlines and all the news you need to start your day. And this is Bloomberg. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.